Let us pray. Eternal and gracious God, we thank thee for this time, this opportunity. We thank you, O God, that we're able to hear from you on high today. And I ask, Father God, that you be my rock, my strong heart, that you will give me the confidence and you will use me, O God, to preach your word in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and let us all say amen. Amen. The scriptures have been read and the title for this morning's message is Confessing Our Sins Before God and One Another. And I was looking at our confessions of faith and I asked the question once before, I said, I wonder how many times do we say this just because it's a litany that's printed before we take community, uh, we try to memorize it. Why, why? What are our thoughts about that? And, and one day I was just happening to look at it and read it again and read it slower than I had been before. And I come to find out it's some very, very powerful wording in there. And so I just said, well, God, since you put this on my heart, would you help me get it together? And which he did. As we grow stronger in our Christian journey, we become more intentional about God's words and his teachings. And we will find ourselves studying the word of God to develop stronger obedience in his promises of salvation for those who believe. However, we have become so concerned about today's problem that we have, uh, it has affected us in that we don't have, we have lost track of others that are having problems that are dealing with the spiritual, emotional, and the physical uh, deteriorations. We hear of wars and rumors of war, but the Lord says, but see to it that you are not alone. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise up against nations, kingdoms against kingdoms. And there will be famine and earthquakes in various places. God has already told us what's going to happen. And when we have that sunk into our minds and into our hearts, I think we can do what God wants us to do because one thing is for sure is that God got your back. And if God has our back, the scripture tells us and that the song says that he is more than the world can be against us. Amen to that. When it comes time to looking at the well-being of others, we either have lost the vision of others or we just too consumed with the thoughts of just looking out for ourselves. But from the Christian viewpoint, we must be concerned for our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors. We are our neighbor's keepers. 
And that is to say that there are the ones who are uh, not as fortunate as some of us are. In the book of John, 1 John, chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if we confess our sin, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and, and, and purify us from all unrighteousness. That tells me that if I confess to God, that he will take care of and forgive me. Amen? Amen to that. Now, having said that, I go to what we call our confessions of faith. And that is in, the, in our hymnal, uh, that is the pardon, or the confession, excuse me, and the pardon that we'll be talking about, and you all have a part of that liturgy. But I want us to understand what it is saying to us, and what are we asking God? What are we confessing? What are we, why are we asking him to pardon us? It's very important, because how can you take communion without understanding that we have to have love in our hearts for not just ourselves, but God and one another. In our communion service liturgy, we recite the confessions and the pardon. And this is an acknowledgement of our sins and asking God for forgiveness and to be pardoned for our oversights. And the reason I say oversights is because it's something we don't think about on a daily basis. However, when it comes to us readings on today, are we just reading because it's a litany that has been printed or because it points to the recognition we've all have fallen short of our Christian responsibility? The confession and pardon is like the Ten Commandments. Uh, one, one pastor once told me before, he says the only way you can abide by the, the, the confessions, the only way that you can abide by the Ten Commandments is you have to have love in your heart. And if you don't have without love, you cannot be successful. And even though we have love, we still struggle with it. And that's why we ask God to give us from one point to another a clean heart. What is confession prayer? Why is it important? In simplest terms, confession prayer is the acknowledgement of our sin. And why is confession important? Well, I tell you, number one, is because confession is God's mechanism to restore our broken relationship with him as well as others. Confession allows us to experience the grateful forgiveness of God, which was purchased on Calvary by the death, resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when it comes to uh, beginning our ritual before communion, communion together, we have this litany to get us started. But how many of us really pay attention? I mean, close attention to what we are reading and the seriousness of this confession and pardon. How many times have we taken a book 
and we read it or we scan through it and really didn't get the main idea of it. Well, in our confessions and our pardons, when we read this, we find out there's a wide scope of things that we have not taken care of and taken into account. But thanks be to whoever wrote this, this prayer, it, it takes on the whole scope of all that we have uh, forgotten about. We haven't had our minds on. We haven't worried about our neighbor. We haven't worried about anything. We have not even worried about really loving God. Amen. Amen. Let us take a look at some of the confessions for just a moment. When it starts out, it says, merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. Think about that for a moment. And I, I think this is a true assessment of our love for God. We first must acknowledge the fact that we don't love God with our whole heart. We just have not, we just don't do it. We have not done it. To love him with our whole heart is to love God with your soul. I mean, that's a love that's deep down. That's a love that's called it a godly love. That's a love that you have for he who has created each and every one of us. I'm talking about a love that really we can't define it, but we can feel it when we're talking about God. Remember when we were kids, I'm talking about all of us now. I'm talking about some now. You have your little boyfriend, your little girlfriend, and you kiki, kiki, you're holding hands. We used to call it in the day palm pressing. We go to the show, go to the dinner, and at some point you say, I love you. And keep on going and keep on going, but all of a sudden something happens and the relationship breaks off. You weren't really in love in the first place. Because if you were in love, guess what? You would have stuck by that individual, man. And that's the kind of love that God has for us and that we should have for him. That even though we break that relationship, we can always come back and say, God, forgive me for I have sinned against you. Matthew 22 and 37 tells us, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, love him, love him, love him. Then we move to another part of our confession. We have failed to be an obedient church. First, the church is a body of faithful believers who adhere to the belief that God is the creator of all that is. The teachings of Jesus Christ and the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's what the obedient church is made up of. It is made up of those believers who believe this, that God is, is, is always the first person, that where God is the first person of the Trinity, amen? Jesus is the second person and the Holy Spirit is the third person, but all are God. And we as a church, as United Methodists, as Christians, this is what we believe without question and without doubt. As an obedient church, God has given us the church specific instructions 
as how to worship him, which we got to worship him in truth and in spirit and to love one another as he loves us. That obedient church that I'm talking about, that by the believers who are led by the guidance and the spirit of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but at some point, we seem to get off track. We seem to get out of whack. But thanks be to God, he continues to work with us until we get it right. You know, when we look back and read the scriptures about the, about the potter and the clay, you know, one of the things about that is, is that when that potter was making whatever he was making, and he got it just about the way he wanted it. He'd take a real close inspection of it and he'd find it's a crack in it. It's some kind of mar in it somewhere. And what he would do was to mash it right back down again and start over again. And he was trying to build it so without, without any uh, uh, mars or any cracks or anything like that. He wanted it to be perfect. And that's what God is working with us and this is why he wants us to be the obedient church, the church that does his work and does his will, the church that opens its doors to any and everybody, the one that has ministries that will meet the needs and not only the church members of people in that particular community. That's the obedient church. Next it says, we have not done your will and we have broken your law. Scripture tells us that everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Amen to that. But let me tell you something. There's some good news to this. Good news of transgressions against God, but through his grace, he'll save us and he forgives us of our sins. We have not loved our neighbors. We have not heard the cry of the needy. So tied up in our own things, we, we just forget. We don't pay no attention to it. After all, who is my neighbor? Just for the sake of understanding, our neighbor is anyone who I can help to enjoy the fulfillment of life. Those who are suffering should be able to be, we should be able to give them some type of comfort. We ought to be able to get pat on their back and, and help them out some kind of way and let people know it's going to be all right because God is in control. And when you have in your mindset that God is in control, there is no fear. There is no fear. Of all the commandments, they ask the question, which is the most important one? And Jesus replied, the most important one is this. Love the Lord your God with all of your soul, 
with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than thee. I'm not gonna hurt myself. I'm not gonna disrespect myself because I love myself. And that's what we need to pass on to those uh, outside of our Christian faith. And what I mean by that, those who have no relationship with God, some kind of way that God will open a door that we can talk and let somebody know, God loves you and so do I. That's not just a phraseology. That is something of truth and belief. God loves you, and so do I. And the love that Jesus is talking about, love that says, I will do anything for that person who is in need of a friend and in need of love. That person who you set aside to help out any kind of way when they need any help. That's who my neighbor is. That's who my friend is. That's who I love. All of us have had best friends from time to time. In my lifetime, is going through school, college, working. I had two best friends that we would do anything for each other, regardless. We got in a fight, come on, we're getting ready to fight. Let's go. If you want to go out and work or cut grass, come on, I'll help you cut it. If you were sick, I had one, one, one of my friends, and this I think about this today, and I have a little tears in my eyes. I had to have some extractions. I was about 16, 17 years old. And the dentist I went to used gas. They put the gas on and put me to sleep. Got home, was groggy, and went right down to bed. When I finally woke up, guess who was sitting at the head of my bed in a chair? That was my best friend. And my mother said, he's been there for at least a couple of hours, waiting for you to wake up. And when I woke up, he said, are you all right? I said, I'm doing fine. And he says, I'll see you later. That's what a friend and a neighbor will do for you. And just think of what God can do to you, with you, and for you. Amen to that. The Jews and Jesus today would largely have understood their neighbors to be their fellow people. People who look like them, people who act like them, people who are in their circle. But God has a broader definition in mind when he says loving your neighbor is more simply 
than loving those who look like you. When we love our neighbors, we're talking about those who hate us, those who don't like us. We're talking about those that, uh, that don't look like us. We love them anyway. Why? Because God loved us first. And if God has the audacity to love someone such as us, can we not share that and extend that love to somebody else? There's so much that must be began to do that would be pleasing to God. How many of us can say with keep deep conviction, I love the Lord for whatever reason? Opposed to those who say, I can't stand my next door neighbor. They just get on my last nerve. And don't let me start about the one that's sitting next to you in the pews. <laughs> we have a problem sometimes. But when we can come with a mindset that God loves me because of who I am, not what I am, I can love somebody also. And that is a practice that we must practice every day, every hour. Practice, practice, practice so that we can perfect the love that God is trying to implement in us. So we must be careful when claiming to love God, the creator of all, creator of all, Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. That small voice you will whisper in your ear one day. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brothers and sisters is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or their sister, whom they see every day, cannot love God, whom you have not seen at all. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. But here is the good news. And we ask for forgiveness, the pardon. We ask for forgiveness. We pray, free us for joyful obedience. What in the world is joyful obedience? In the pure delight of the ways of God, to follow Christ's commandments is not burdensome, but it is a blessing. To be an humble child of God to, is to love, to trust, and obey God. Joyful obedience flows from the heart that loves the Lord our God. When Jesus was sent speaking to the crowd, he told Peter to spread his net. The fisherman replied, Master, we've been here all night long. We haven't caught nothing. Jesus says, throw it on your right side. And when they threw the net down, they tell me from what I understand that they couldn't hardly pull all the fish up. That's joyful obedience when God says, do this or do that. And you yet might have some reservations, but at some point you say, I'm going to give it a try. And then when he gives you that try, you're successful. Is that not, does that not bring joy in your heart, joy in your life? How far do you think joyful obedience will carry you? 
what a joy it is to be able to say, because I'm trying to do the very best I can to please God, Jesus, forgive, and give us pardons. Amen to that. Pardoned by Jesus allows us to be exempt from punishment because of the cross. And therefore, whenever you take that bread and you take the wine today, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And what is it? Because he has allowed us to confess our sins before God in his name. He has provided us with salvation. He has provided us with the way to get back to God. He has provided everything that we need to be successful Christians and lovers of God. Christ died for our sins, and that proves that God loved for us. Here's the good news today, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here's the good news that the gift from God is salvation through Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. That he shall be with us for eternal life. Here's the good news. Thank God for forgiving us today through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And let the church say, amen. Amen and amen.